Thank you, Dan and Laura. Please turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5. As you do so, let me just remind you that next week during our Sunday school hour is a special time where we're going to come together and listen to some baptism testimonies and talk a little bit about baptism as a church and then uh, have some baptisms here at, uh, here at Five Points. It's always exciting to be able to do that. And so I would really encourage you, uh, encourage our church to, to come out and let's do that together next week. Here in Ephesians, we've been talking about the family. We've been looking at the role of a, the goal of marriage. Then last week, we began to, to talk about the, the, the role of a husband in a marriage relationship. And please uh, stand with me as we read God's Word together. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 22 and read on down through the end of the chapter again uh, this week. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, Paul says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her, by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body." Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You may be seated. May you be encouraged through the reading of God's word this morning. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your instructions here. We thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit in us that allows us to, first of all, have the, a new nature to be transformed as we place our faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, as we receive the, the gospel message. And Father, thank you for that transformation that allows us to be obedient to you. I pray for each person here. I pray that each person would gain a greater insight into who you are, how you as our, our Heavenly Father, as the, the perfect example of, of a husband, would help us to, to, to learn that and, and to be encouraged by it, each one of us. And then, Father, for those of us who are husbands and have the responsibility to take on these Christ-like characteristics, we pray that you would help us to be able to do that through the work of your Spirit. And we pray this in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Husbands, I'm very disappointed in you. Wives, uh, single men, children, I, I apologize that you have to be here to hear this. But husbands, I think I was very clear last week. I gave you a very clear instruction from God's Word to love your wife. The sermon was clear, it was uh, passionate, brilliant, not my word. That's the word I've been thinking that you were probably using. 
uh, this sermon, it, it said, husbands love your wives, and yet I'm hearing rumors that this past week, some of you husbands did not love your wife perfectly. Very disappointed in some of you, all of, you, all of us, that we failed uh, to do that. But uh, no fear, uh, as I've mentioned before, I am the love pastor, the reverend of love. It's a purely honorary title, but still, uh, I, I am that pastor. And I've been doing some research, amen, for us this past week. I've been researching on that most reliable of all sources, the internet, uh, on some tests that we can take to help us determine whether or not we are loving husbands, whether or not we are loving our wives. I, I took, uh, took great care in researching uh, some quizzes that we can take for ourselves. Uh, now, I eliminated some of the quizzes. One quiz was called uh, the love thermometer, and uh, I couldn't read, the, read the, the results were in Celsius, so they didn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, another, another quiz was called the quick love test, the quick love test, and I wasn't sure if the quick was referring to the test or the love, and so I decided to steer away from that one. It also gave, uh, man, it gave you the option of putting three names in the test and determining which person you loved, and I thought, eh, probably wives would not appreciate that test too much uh, either. Now, another test that I found was from Time Magazine. I thought, well, Time Magazine, that's a, a very reputable source. And this test was designed by a sociologist and a psychologist, and it was, it was attached to an article on love, and it was called the, the Love Passion Test. And men, if you're going to take this test, the Love Passion Test, here are some of the statements that you would be responding to. You would read the statement, and you'd say, uh, 10 that identifies me completely, or, or 5 somewhat, or, or 1, it doesn't identify me at all. So you'd, you'd answer this statement on a scale of 1 to 10. So here are some of the, here are some of the statements from this love, passion, scale test from Newsweek, or Time magazine of 2004. So, for example, this statement, I would feel deep despair if my wife left me. And if that's true for you, you would say 10. If you would feel mild despair, if your wife left you, I suppose you'd five, and, and so forth. Um, another statement, I would rather be with my wife than anybody else. That's true, ten, kind of like your dog as well, maybe five, and so forth down the line. Uh, my wife always seems to be on my mind, and, and I think they mean this in a, a positive sense. And so, again, ten, and so forth down the scale. I get depressed when things don't go right in my relationship with my wife. Uh, some other other quizzes that I looked at had, had similar statements, statements like, um, I, my deep feelings for my wife are returned by her. I, I can be myself when I'm with my wife. I feel special when I think about my wife. I am at peace as I think about my relationship with my wife. Now, of course, I'm being facetious this morning. As we talked about last week and then several weeks ago, none of those things, none of those things are, are true tests of what love is. Love is not determined by how we feel about a person. Love is not determined by what we receive from another person. Uh, love is not determined by any of those things. The biblical definition of love is committing ourselves to benefit another person. The biblical definition of love is when a, a husband says, I am committing my will to do whatever it takes to benefit my wife to bring her closer to the Lord. Whatever sacrifices are necessary in order to do so, I'm willing to, to take those on myself. 
Two weeks ago, we looked at the, the goal of marriage. And we saw that the goal of marriage, the biblical goal of marriage, is oneness. We glorify God most in our marriages as we pursue oneness as, as husbands and wives. And last week, we looked at this goal of pursuing oneness from the perspective of the husband. How does the husband pursue oneness in that marriage relationship? Next week, we'll begin talking about how a wife pursues oneness. But last week and this week, we're looking at it from the perspective of a husband. A husband, we saw last week, pursues oneness in his relationship with his wife as he sacrificially loves her. A husband pursues oneness in the marriage relationship through Christ-like sacrificial love. We began to explore that idea last week. We're going to continue to do so this morning. Let me just kind of give you a, a quick review of what we talked about last week. We, first of all, looked at an exhortation. The exhortation that we see here in Ephesians 5, verses 25 through 33, is, is husbands, love your wives. And we talked about what love is not. We talked about what love is. And we saw that there are some barriers for us as husbands to loving our wives. Sometimes we, we, are, are, we encounter the obstacle of bitterness. Or we're upset at our wives and some things have happened. At the core of, of most of the obstacles to loving our wives is, is unbelief. We understand that God has said, husbands, love your wives that God places no conditions upon that instruction, but sometimes we husbands think, okay, I know that that's generally true, that most of the guys around me need to love their wives, but there are some special extenuating circumstances in my relationship that absolve me from that responsibility. I know that most husbands should love their wives, but but, but my wife was really mean to me last night, or, or my wife kind of has a bad attitude sometimes, and so I'm exempt from that. We said, no, that's, that's not what this instruction says. The instruction is universal. Husbands, love your wives. Then we next looked, after looking at this exhortation, husbands, love your wives, we looked at the explanation for this. The explanation that Paul gives us here, the theological grounding for us understanding how we're to love our wives, is the example of Jesus Christ, as Christ loved the church. Husbands, are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And throughout this passage in Ephesians chapter 5, we see this parallel between Christ and the church and husbands and wives. A husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church, and wives are to submit to their husbands as the church submits to Christ. And we'll talk about that next week more. But this model for our relationship is, is found in Christ and the, the church. And as other people around us look at our marriage, husbands, they should see in our attitude towards our wives the example of Jesus Christ. And as people see the way that we treat our wives, love our wives, care for our wives, they should gain an insight and an understanding into how Christ loves the church. And so that was the explanation. Then we looked at a little bit of an examination. We began talking about that last week. We saw here as we looked at the examination that as we're to be like Christ, we have some, some things that we can look at and examine in our, ourselves. Are we doing these things? Are we acting like Jesus Christ as we love our wives? So what I want us to do this morning is, if, if you're taking notes, you can look on the, the back page there. Or if you're on the back page, then don't turn over to the front page. It's all, it's all relative. Uh, we see here some things that are true of a Christ-like husband, a husband who's going to be loving his wife. And unlike the quizzes that I mentioned earlier, here are some biblical 
guidelines for how you can determine how well you're being faithful in loving your wife. So let's, let's begin to, to dive into these things. And, and uh, Now, I hope that it's true that, that you feel a, a deep sense of, of satisfaction in relationship with your wife. I, I hope that it's true that you enjoy being with your wife. All those things should be true, but they're not the essence of what biblical love is, are they? Here's the essence of biblical love. A Christ-like husband sacrificially loves his wife, first of all, by leading her. Look down at verse 22. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his, his body is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Let me just give you three observations about this text. We'll look more at this from the wife's perspective beginning next week, but let me just give you three observations about the text here. The first observation, husbands, is, is notice this. Nowhere... In this passage is the instruction given, husbands, make your wives submit to you. It's not your responsibility as you think about leadership to, to make sure that your wives do what you say. That, that's a very unbiblical understanding of leadership. Nowhere does God place upon you the, the burden of making your wife do the things you think she should do. Now, sometimes we as husbands are, are kind of creative in, in ways we, we get, around, get around this instruction and, and try to do things. In fact, um, there's been kind of a joke in our household the last few weeks as, as we've been talking about families and leadership. I, I tell Whitney this, if we're talking about what we're going to eat or what we're going to do, I say, look, we can do this one of two ways. We can do it my way as the leader of the home, or you can wind up as a sermon illustration, okay? So uh, we can just turn the situation into a, a sermon illustration right now. Now, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, I would never do that to, to my wife. Uh, it would not go well for, for anyone. It would not be a very loving thing to do. But uh, that's, that's, some husbands have this idea, well, it's my job to, to make sure my, my wife submits to me. No, 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 that's not what the text says. The, ne- the text nowhere says that the husband has a responsibility of making sure that his, his wife submits. That's the wife's responsibility. That's the first observation. Secondly, and we talked about this last week, the husband exercises Christ-like leadership, not worldly leadership. The husband exercises Christ-like leadership, not worldly leadership. And remember, we looked at, at Matthew chapter 20 last week, verses 20 through 28, and I'll just read a couple of those verses. Jesus calls the disciples to him, and he says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever will be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life a ransom for many. Uh, what do we see here? Well, this type of leadership that a husband is called to exercise is, is Christ-like leadership. It's, it's not worldly leadership. The worldly leader is concerned with how he or, or she can, can bend other people to, to do what they want. They, they want to coerce people either through, through overt or, or covert means to, to get them to fall in line with what they want to have accomplished. A worldly leader views people as, as people who, who serve their agenda and, and lift them up and, and, and take care of their needs. Biblical leadership, Christ-like leadership, turns that on its head. The Christ-like leader sees themselves as the, the least important person in that, in that group. The Christ-like leadership approaches their relationships with other people saying, look, it's not my will that I'm trying to, to force upon other people. I'm trying to lead people 
in such a way that they will follow what God desires them to do. And as I go about that, that task of leading people to do what God wants them to do, I'm their servant. They don't exist to meet my needs. I exist to meet their needs. That's a radical transformation of what leadership is. So three observations about this. First of all, the husband's not commanded to, to, to make his wife submit. Second, the, this is a different type of leadership than the world understands leadership to be. The third truth is this. Even though it's a different type of leadership, the, the husband still has a position of authority in the marriage relationship. That's a controversial statement. E even saying that this isn't the way that the world views leadership, I think it's still important to affirm that the husband does have an authoritative role in the marriage relationship. I want to be very careful as we talk about this. I, I received a, just a very sweet email this, this past week, and, and there are parts of it that were very sad, and this person uh, gave me permission to, to mention this email, but they said that they were at a church where uh, this, this, this doctrine of, of a husband's leadership was, was uh, taught in a very negative way, in a way that demeaned women, in a way that, that didn't uh, see them as our, as our equals in Christ. He said it got so bad, in fact, that, that their family was, was forced to, to leave a church because the dad said, look, I can't allow my wife to be in this church where she's, she's talked about in this way. My, my wife is a, a beautiful, intelligent, capable woman, and I'm not going to allow her to, to, to be demeaned every week as, as, the, as the pastor talks about biblical leadership because that's certainly not biblical. And so I want to be careful as we talk about what it means that, that, a, that a husband has authority in the home. Another situation, uh, there was someone that wanted me to perform their, their wedding. And they said, now, if you do this wedding, you're not going to mention this, this idea about how the wife needs to submit to her husband, are you? I said, well, actually, yeah, it's, it's in the, the vows that I would ask you to make because I think that's a, a biblical vow. He said, well, I'm really uncomfortable with that. We, we see ourselves as, as equals, and, and I don't want her to, to think that, that I'm you know, going to be her, her boss or something. I said, well, first of all, I think you have a wrong understanding of, of what leadership is, and, and we'll talk about that. But, but secondly, I said, can you think of any other institution, any other societal institution in which there's, there's no authority structure? You know, you know my kids are on, on swim team. The swim team has a president, okay? The, the Kiwanis Club has a president and a vice president and a treasurer. Every other human institution has some sort of authority structure. Is, is marriage the only societal institution that's, that's exempt from an authority structure? My argument wasn't that convincing to this person, but nevertheless, I, I think that it, that it holds true. And so let me be very careful as we talk about authority here. But what I, what I think it means here is that, that the husband has the primary responsibility before God for the direction of the family. He stands culpable before God for the direction that a family is headed and the decisions that are made within that family. And husbands, you need to be very careful, first of all, as you think about the direction your family is headed. Do you have a goal? Do you have plans? Do you know what God desires your family to do? And then also you need to be very careful as you make decisions in your family. Let me, let me kind of talk about uh, my marriage because it's the one I'm, I'm most familiar with. Uh, my wife and I are getting ready to celebrate our 10-year ten, anniversary next month, and so we don't have as many, much experience as, as many of you, but, but he, this is what's been true in our marriage. There has never been a point in time where I felt that our family, on a major decision, where I felt that our family should head in this direction, and Whitney's felt that our family should head in this direction, 
and I've had to say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm the husband, so let's, let's go this way. Now, someday that may happen, okay? Someday there, there may be a situation where we both feel God is calling our family in different directions, and, and I'll say, look, I, because God has, has placed me and is, is ultimately culpable before before him as to what we do, I believe we should sit, head this way, and I have every confidence that she would say, okay, then we'll do that, and, and I'll, I'll trust the Lord in this. But, let me say this, husbands, that's never happened to us yet. It hasn't happened yet. What's happened more generally is this. I may believe that God's calling us this way, and, and Whitney kind of believes that, that, that we should go this way, and I say, well, man, that's kind of scary to me. Because my wife has a relationship with the Lord. She's a godly woman. She knows God's word, and, and she has a, the Holy Spirit living within her. I'm going to be very, very careful before I head off in this direction, right? And so I'll say, well, well Whitney, what, what are your concerns about this? And she'll say, well, well here's, what, here's what my concerns are, and here's why they're biblical concerns. And what, that's, those are great points. I said, well, here's kind of what my thinking is, and here's why this direction concerns me. And, and what's happened so far in our marriage is that God has been very gracious and allowed us to, to each sharpen one another and cause us to move in a direction that's honoring to him. But I understand that I am ultimately culpable before God for the decision that is made, for the direction that we head. And so I want to be very careful in the decisions that, that we as, as a couple make. Now, again, that may not always be the case, but I believe that that's, that's generally been true for us, and, and I believe it's going to continue to be true for us. And, and really, our model in understanding this authority structure is, 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 is God, right? First of all, the model we have between Christ and his church, but also the model within the Trinity. You know, God the Father stands as, as authoritative over the, the Son, and yet it's a perfectly harmonious relationship as well. And, that's our, our model as well as we think about the relationship in our, in our marriage. Uh, let me also say this. Um, husbands, as we think about how we love our wife by, by leading her, different husbands are going to struggle with this in different ways. Some husbands are going to have the temptation to, to really want to be just these, these strict authoritarians and say, you know, it's, it's my way or the highway. This is what God's word says, and we're going to do this. And, and, and some husbands... Uh, some husbands are, are so hands-off that they're not providing any sort of direction for their family. Uh, some husbands say, you know what, my, my wife is so godly, and, and she, has, she seems to have a really good plan, so I'm just going to kind of go along with that plan, and they, they're very hands-off. And neither one of those are the biblical instruction here. Husbands, love your wife by leading her. Let me give you a, a couple practical suggestions, uh, two of them really. Uh, first of all, uh, write down your goals for your family, men. Write down what the goals that you have for your family are. Think about the spiritual goals for your family. Think about financial goals, ministry goals, long-term goals, and, and, and say, you know, we're not just going to get there by chance. What are some things that, that I believe that, that God is calling our family to do? Talk with your wife about those things and say, where are we headed as a family? Write those things down. Whitney and I have, have plans uh, we have plans for right now, we have plans for the next few years, and, and we also have this list of, of things we plan to do uh, if God grants us a long life and doesn't return after we retire. What are some things we plan on doing uh, once, once the children are gone? What are some things we plan on doing with the grandkids? And, and so we're right now thinking about our long-range plan that God would have for our family. And husbands, I would encourage you to be involved in that. And the second encouragement I'd have for you is to think about 
loving your wife by leading her is to, to pray daily for God to humble you. Pray that God would humble you so that you would be a, a Christ-like leader and your family. Uh, look at Matthew 20 again, or not right now, but continue to look at Matthew 20, verses 20 through 28, and, and just pray through that and say, you know, Father, help me to be this, this type of leader in my relationship with my wife as I provide direction and, and help be accountable for the decisions we make. So a Christ-like husband loves his wife by, by leading her. Uh, secondly, a Christ-like husband loves his wife by sacrificing for her. Look at verse 25. Says, husbands, love your wives as, as Christ loved the church and, and gave himself up for her. Now, we talked about last week how this, this idea of, of sacrificing for your wife is, is this essential attribute of God, it, it, uh, attribute of love, and it's somewhat redundant to say, love your wife by doing loving things, but that's what we're saying here. Love your wife by sacrificing for her. As Christ loved the church, husbands love your wives. And Think about the love that Christ had for his church here. He, he gave himself up for the church. Think also about his, his goal as he gave himself up for the church. Verse 26 says, He did this that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. As Christ laid down his life for the church, he had an end in sight. And that end was the sanctification of the church. Now, now husbands, think about this. As Christ looked forward and saw the goal that he had for the church, he laid down his life in order to accomplish that. And now, as the church continues to grow in Christ's likeness, who is responsible for the things that are done in the church? Well, in one sense, you say, well, the church is doing things. The church is involved in ministry. The, the church is learning about him. The church is worshiping him. So, in one sense, the church is doing things. But even all those things that are being done within the context of the church— Christ is doing as well. He's the one that's ultimately responsible for, for the empowerment to do those things. And so husbands, you know, I mentioned last week about uh, the arrangement of our, of our bedroom furniture, how we've arranged our bed in such a way that, that uh, I sleep closest to the door. In case a madman comes to the door, I can be like a roadblock on his way to, uh, you know, if he's ever going to try to, to, to capture our family or hurt them or somehow. I can uh, make some sort of attempt at defense, all right? But if a child walks into the room, what do I do? Hey, uh, go tell mom you're sick, okay? I'm willing to lay down my life for my wife, but I'm not willing to take care of a sick kid sometimes for my wife. Now, the point is this. As we think about what our goal for our wife is, as we think about how we lay down our life, on a, should, should be laying down on our life on a daily basis, a moment-by-moment -moment basis for our wife, men, we need to have a, a radical transformation of our thinking. Oftentimes, we've kind of segmented our lives out in this manner. We say, well, the wife is in charge of, of these areas of responsibility, and and I, as a husband, am, am responsible for, for these areas. Let me read you a story from uh, the book called Each for the Other. This is uh, by a pastor named R. Kent Hughes. And uh, this, this family came in for counseling, and I think you'll realize why they need some counseling as you hear this story. Uh, the man, the husband, says this, Well, uh, Pastor Hughes, in order to make sure that there's no question about who's the head of our home, I try to make sure both my wife and I let Scripture rule our actions. Okay, that... So far, that, that sounds good, but listen to how he applies it. He says, for instance, even when I come home from work and want to relax, I still try to act as head of the house. Okay, again, that sounds okay, but listen again how he applies it. 
If my wife asks for some help with something in the kitchen, or with the kids, they had three preschoolers, two of them were twins, I don't immediately drop my newspaper and snap to attention. To make sure we both understand who's the head of the home, I flip a coin in my mind. If it comes up heads, I help. If it comes up tails, I don't. Okay? I don't think this guy understands randomness here. Can you imagine being his wife? Hold on, honey, I'm flipping a coin. Oh, it was tails. Sorry. Do you want two out of three? Um, anyway, she, she, anyway he, says, he, says, he says that way. There's no question of who's in charge. Men, we have some incredible obstacles just in our sinful nature of being able to, to sacrifice the way that Christ sacrifices for his church. Here's the mental thing I would encourage you to do, men. Just as Christ is ultimately responsible for everything that takes place in the church, uh, husbands, let me encourage you to say, you know what? There is no responsibility in this home that is not ultimately mine. There is no her job and my job. There is no turns that we take in our home. You know, turns is something you do with two-year-olds to keep them from fighting. Uh, there's no turn here. It's not her turn to do this and my turn. It's perpetually my turn. There is no, you know, uh, my wife is not in charge of the laundry. She's not in charge of the cooking. She's not in, in charge of the mowing. And the there's nothing that she's in charge of, right? Now, what happens is my wife, we would say men, graciously, graciously takes upon herself responsibilities. But I as a husband say, you know what, ultimately all these jobs are my job. I'm responsible before God to make sure these things get done. There's no way I can do them all myself, and so my wife is gracious in helping me do these things. Now, wives, uh, don't be taking too many notes here. Um, don't, don't be helping your husband apply this this afternoon. But, but husbands, I think it's a helpful thing for you to, to mentally a process, a helpful mental process for you to go through. So you know what? If, if my wife comes and says, hey, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't get your, your laundry done, you know what? She's not the person who's in charge of doing the laundry. Say, honey, that's not your job. Thank you for being so willing to do that. Thank you for taking it on yourself, but, but don't apologize to me. Now, in my home, uh, I'm not allowed to touch the laundry. Uh, I try, I try and try, you know, I try to sneak and, and do some laundry because I know how much uh, she doesn't like it, but apparently it's worse to, to do the laundry poorly than to not do the laundry at all. And there's dryers and things like that you can't put in the, I don't believe, I think that it turns out fine. But anyway, uh, in, in our, in our home, uh, that's something that we just graciously, look, I'm, I'm taking that on myself. That's, that's my role. And, and, I, and I just thank you. Thank you so much. Or if, if your wife says, you know, honey, uh, I don't really feel like making dinner tonight. Uh, hey, you know, it's not your job. It, it's my, honey, thanks for being willing to, to, to do that at all. Husbands, there is no your turn, my turn. Husbands, you need to take upon yourself constantly the burden of ministry in your home. It's a hard thing to do. We love ourselves, we love sports, we love our careers, we love whatever other interests we have, but God calls us to be the primary sacrificers in our home, to take upon ourselves the burden of ministry. And so a Christ-like husband is going to love his wife by sacrificing for her. I would encourage you just with a couple things, uh, for, uh, some practical applications here. Uh, first of all, uh, just sit down with your wife a minute and say, you know, what, what are your needs? What are the desires you have in your life right now? And, and men, be thinking through how you can change the things that you're doing in order to help your wife meet her dreams and goals and 
fulfill her needs. She may say, you know what, I, I just have a great need right now for some, some time in, in God's Word. And, and right now, I'm doing so, much, so, much, so many things, I don't have time to read God's Word together. So you know what, I'm going to take that on myself to make sure that you have the time to spend in God's Word. So for, that's the first thing I'd encourage you to do, is to ask your wife what her needs and desires are. And then, uh, men, uh, pick up your cross. This is my second encouragement to you. Uh, pick up the cross. Throw away the coin. Throw away all the unbiblical ideas you have about leadership. Throw away all the unbiblical ideas you have about your dreams, your goals, what you want to do. Throw it away and pick up your cross. I'm not saying it's, it's wrong to have a hobby, if it's wrong to, no, absolutely not. But your first responsibility is to serve your wife. And some of us need to have a radical mind change about what the goal of our life is. And you just begin by having a right understanding of our relationship with God and having that flow into a right understanding of our relationship with our wives. A Christ-like husband sacrificially loves his wife by sacrificing for her. Uh, next, we see a, a Christ-like husband loves his wife by spiritually nourishing her. Look at verse 26. It says, uh, Christ did this that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish. In the same way, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now again, as we've mentioned, Christ, as he sacrificed for the church, had a goal in, in, in mind, an end in mind, and that end was the sanctification of the church. And so husbands, as you think about your loving your wife, you say there's, there's an end in mind, and that, that end is her sanctification. My desire is that my wife is closer to Christ as a result of being married to me, instead of she's closer to Christ in spite of being married to me. My desire is that as, as I am in a relationship with her, I model Christ's likeness for her, and she continues to grow and, and love the Lord. And at the end of our lives together, she is a more faithful follower of Jesus Christ because I was in her life. That's our goal as we sacrifice for her. That doesn't happen by chance. The, our relationship with Jesus Christ is not nourished by, by, simply, by simply chance. And there's an instrument that Christ uses here in his relationship with, with us. It's his word. And that's, we, of course, are in the same position as our wives are before God. And, and so we need to use the, the word as well as we communicate to our wives about the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, men, you are incredibly influential in the spiritual development of your wife and your children. You perhaps have read these studies as well that talk about how crucial it is for a father or for a husband to, to place his faith in Jesus Christ in order for his family to follow in placing his, their faith in Jesus Christ. I saw a study, a secular study done in a, a magazine called Child Development. Perhaps you saw it a couple weeks ago, but it talked about dad's involvements in, in, their, in their children's lives and how it affected uh, their, their sexual activity, the, the sexual activity of their children. They found that a dad was far more influential than, than a mom in determining how chaste their children would be. A dad who knew the, the names of his daughter's friends was much more likely to have a daughter who was keeping herself pure. A, a dad who was spending time involved with his son was much more likely to have a, a son who was keeping himself pure than a dad 
who had a son that he was not being involved in those activities with. And so dads, even, even as influential as moms are, dads are even more influential in affecting the, the spiritual well-being of their children. Let me again give you some practical suggestions, men, as you think about your role as a husband in spiritually providing, spiritually nourishing your wife. Uh, first, of all, uh, first of all, men, have a vibrant walk with the Lord yourself. And make sure that you're in God's Word, that you're studying God's Word, and, and, and God's Word is changing you, and you're communing with God through prayer. And so men, have a vibrant walk with the Lord yourself. And I may have mentioned this story before, but my dad would, would uh, do quiet times with, the, with us as, as, as kids, and, and that was very influential. But I'll tell you, the most influential thing that I think my dad did for us spiritually is not, not even reading us God's Word, all, as influential as that was, but what I saw him doing whenever he thought no one was watching. I would get up early in the morning, and as I would walk past his bedroom door, I, I might just kind of peek in and, you know, 5.30 in the morning, and, and, and what's he doing? He's down on his knees, praying, reading God's Word. When I saw my dad do that, I thought, you know what? This isn't some game that he's doing with us kids to, to make us obey. This relationship that he has with God is, is real and, and vibrant. And so, men, you need to have a vibrant walk with the Lord from which you draw the resources to, to spiritually nourish your wife. The second practical suggestion I've ha- I would have for you here as you think about spir- spiritually nourishing your wife is this. Uh, wash your wife in God's word. Just pour God's word over your wife in, in a variety of ways. Uh, be involved in the life of the church. Plug yourself into ministry in the church. Have regular evening or morning devotional times with your wife, and that can be a very difficult thing to to do, I I know, and so I just encourage you to to set apart 10, 15, 20 minutes with your wife on a daily basis to make sure that that she's seeing you read God's Word and and hearing God's Word from you. Make sure that you're you're washing her with that that, that Word, and and there's a variety of ways you can do this. you know, maybe you as husbands need to take upon yourself, making sure that, that uh, other stresses in your wife's life are, are not there. You're, she's not worried about the kids doing this or the kitchen not being clean, and you take it upon yourself to make sure that those things are in order so that she can enjoy that time in God's Word together. A third suggestion that I would have for you here is, is model how to deal with sin. Model how to deal with sin. So have a vibrant walk with the Lord, Wash your wife in God's word and, then, and model the appropriate way to deal with sin. Whenever sin is, is in your life and you've, you've wronged your wife, be a person who asks for forgiveness. Be humble as she corrects you. As she corrects you, ask for specifics and say, well, how, how, do, you, how do I need to change and, and repent here? And, and so model the appropriate way to deal with, with sin in your own life. And then the fourth practical suggestion I'd have for you men as you think about how to spiritually nourish your wife is also not only deal with your, your own sin in an appropriate way, but when your wife sins against you or you see sin in your, in your wife's life, be, be willing to, to lovingly confront her on that as well. Now, I'm not suggesting uh, to you that every time that your wife does something that might be uh, wrong, that you bring it to her attention. <laughs> uh, you know, if your, your wife has... Um, uh, a child in one arm and a child in the other arm and is trying to, to kick open the door and says, hey, can you open, help me open this door? Honey, um, I think you need to use your inside voice, uh, sweetie. You know, you, you're gracious, love covers a multitude of sin, but whenever there, there's clear a violation of God's word, then you as a husband have a responsibility 
just as she has a responsibility to you, uh, to tell her, look, you know, this isn't according with God's, with God's word. How can we together grow in God's grace here? And so that's the responsibility a husband has to sacrificially love his wife by spiritually nourishing her. And the fourth thing I'd like us to consider here is this. Uh, a, a Christ-like husband loves his wife by physically providing for her. Look at verse 29. It says, And no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. This is a, a great, I love these two verses. No one ever hated his own flesh, but you take care of your body by nourishing and cherishing it. And that word nourish means to feed. And as I, I look out, I see that there are not a lot of men here who have missed many meals, right? Uh, we, we feed our own bodies pretty well. We make sure they have food. The word cherish here means to, to provide with, with, with warmth and comfort, security. The idea here is that, that a Christ-like husband loves his wife by making sure that she has the necessities of life. She has food, she has clothing, she has warmth, she has security. I don't know exactly how Paul would have applied this in our culture, but let me give you some some general guidelines. In fact, let me begin by giving you an illustration. A friend uh, called me one time and was excited about his upcoming marriage, and, and he told me about the plans that he had for their marriage. He said, well, you know, my, my wife is going to become a, a doctor, and I'm going to become a, a school teacher, and so our plan is for her to, to go on to med school and be, become a doctor, and, and then uh, for, for me to kind of uh, uh, stay at home while she uh, provides for us. And I said, you know, um, uh, th that troubles me a little bit. Uh, and I, I don't think I said it as strongly then as I would say it now. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong for a wife. Certainly, I'm not saying it's wrong for a wife to work outside of the home. There are, are situations and, and times where that's, that's, that, that's, that, that's great, you know. But I am saying this. Even when a wife chooses to work outside of the home, God gives you that, the freedom to do that, I would encourage a wife not to be relying upon the family, not to be reliant upon her paycheck in order to sustain the family. Again, I understand there are situations that, that some people are in for a, a period of time in which it's very necessary for the wife to work. Perhaps the, the husband's been laid off from work and the wife has a job and they're, they're depending upon her income. But I would say it should always be the goal of a husband to get the family in such a position that they can survive and, and, and thrive on, on his income alone that he can be providing physically for the needs of his family. And if the wife decides to, to work outside the home and, and God gives you that freedom in, the, in circumstances, that's great. But I, what I encourage you to do with that money is not to be reliant upon it, but, but to use it for investments, use it for ministry, but to allow the husband as the spiritual provider to also be the physical provider. Now again, I encourage you, as we talked about last week, uh, to compare what I say with, with God's word and, and uh, to, to not take... Um, my word as God's word, or my applications as God's word, but to look at the biblical principles here, and I think it's very clear, the husband has responsibility to physically provide for his wife. And so my practical suggestion for a husband is to be a person who's a good steward of the family finances. And if you're not in a situation where you can provide for your family, to strive to do so. Perhaps you, you pull back on some things that you're doing as a family, you lower your standard of living, you seek out a, a higher paying job, do what you can, in order to be the one who's physically providing for your spouse. 
fifth thing I'd encourage you with here is, is this. Uh, a Christ-like husband sacrificially loves his wife by cleaving to her. By cleaving to her. Verses 30 and 31 say this. We're members of his body. Verse 31, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. I was performing a, a wedding one time, and I talked to the bride about how she had a responsibility as well as her husband to, to leave her family. That as she stood here before God making these marriage vows, her relationship with, with every single person in this room changed as she made that vow. Her family was no longer her family in the same way that it had been before. Her, her, uh, her best friend was no longer her best friend in the way that she had been her best friend before. And now all other relationships had changed as she had the responsibility to, to leave them and, and cleave to her husband. Uh, the father of the bride was not too happy uh, with my message there, but I think that it's biblically true. We're to leave all other relationships, all other relationships change in a certain sense as we leave them and we cleave to our wives, men. She's our, our new priority. We must do all that we can to, to be one. And, and men, uh, my encouragement to you would, would be this. Uh, do all that you can to, to make her feel as a, an equal partner. Uh, make her understand that she's invested in your life and she's, she's a part of your life. And if you're like me, sometimes communication can be a very difficult thing. I come home from, from whatever I'm doing and, and, and what he says, well, well, can you tell me about your day? And I say, well, I don't think so. I, I don't really remember it, uh, first of all. And uh, second of all, I think part of the reason I can't remember it is it was so terrible. And uh, I don't want to relive it, and I'm pretty sure you wouldn't want to relive it as well. well and she does. <laughs> she wants to be, feel like she's a part of my ministry and a part of my life. And so, husbands, we have a responsibility as we cleave to our wives to make them feel as though they are a part of our lives. And something that I've gotten the habit of doing, again, is, is I, I take a little note card and just kind of set it on my desk, kind of write down the, the things that are happening to me today so that I'll have something to, to tell my wife when I, when I come home. I need to be, uh, men, here, here are two practical suggestions for you as we, as we uh, look at this check mark of being a Christ-like husband. Uh, first is, is become a better communicator. We've already talked about that. Become a better communicator. My other practical suggestion for you here is to, to give up the TV, give up the computer, give up the hobby, give up whatever it is that's keeping you from spending the time that you need to with your wife. I'm not saying absolutely that's what you need to do, but do do whatever you need to do in order to cleave to your wife. Give up whatever is, is keeping you from her. I'm going to send out an email this week, and, it's, and it will be an article by John Piper entitled, Why I Don't Have a Television and Rarely Go to Movies. And men, I'd encourage you to, to read through that article and think through how you're spending your time with your wife and how you can cleave more closely to her. Well, we're, there's two more characteristics here, and, and what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to deal with these last two characteristics uh, next week as we begin to talk about the wife, and I'll just tell you what they are. Uh, the, the sixth one is to be gentle with her. A Christ-like husband sacrificially loves his wife by being gentle with her. And then the seventh one is a Christ-like husband sacrificially loves his wife by understanding her. And number, that number six one takes place in Colossians. We're going to look at Colossians 3.19. And uh, number seven there, understanding her, occurs in 1 Peter 3, 7. And we'll look at that uh, next week. Husbands, let me say this in conclusion. You know, the, uh, 
the love quizzes that I looked at this week had, had different ratings, you know. There was the, the hot tamale, okay. There was the, uh, the mild mango, you know, all sorts of different, uh, different gauges by which to measure your love. We're not going to do this perfectly. None of us husbands are going to measure up the type of love that Christ has for his church. But we can be striving for that. And I know that, men, I, I echo the sentiments in your own heart when I say, I, I love my wife. By God's grace, I desire to love her more. And as I think about the type of love that I have for my wife, I think, oh, what an amazing love that our Heavenly Father has for us. Because I reflect His love so imperfectly that He manifests that love to His church perfectly. Praise God that we have such an awesome, loving Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Father, again, we pray for us as, as husbands. We ask your grace. We ask, first of all, for your forgiveness for us as we failed in, in being Christ-like husbands. And now we just pray for your, your mercy and your continued grace in our lives. And I pray that our, our wives would be comforted. I pray for those who are not even married to, to have a sense of your love for them, to gain from this, this picture of marriage as well. We pray that you would be with our, our families as we seek to be faithful to you. And we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.